Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a boat, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network, MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. And this is a special, special interview today on a Friday with somebody very, very special. Lee Matthew Goldberg is here with his phenomenal third. It's, this is the end of the end of the trilogy. So sad. I love the Runaway trilogy, and Thank it's you. Spanish Me gets swept up once more in the tantalizing drama that surrounds Nico Sullivan as Lee Matthew Goldberg's young adult Runaway trilogy comes to an end. So good morning, and how are you? And welcome back to MJ Network. Thanks so much for having me again, Fran. This is always a pleasure. So tell us, I love Nico Sullivan, but I really like love. She's my favorite. <laughs> tell us how Nico became part of the band and how she and Evan and Evan Nicole, you know, how did it change her life? And what did she decide to do what she did? Not nice. Yeah, so, you know, Nico goes through a lot over the three books. Um, and a big part of it is when her band, really kind of breaks out and gets big. And like a lot of bands, there's the rise and the fall. So um, unfortunately, the band reaches great heights, but then it also hits a really low point as well. Um, and I kind of followed, like, I don't know if you remember that show, Behind the Music by VH1, um, where it shows, like, a band's rise and fall. So I kind of fi- followed that trajectory um, for Nico's story as well. So... Tell us why you created the story in two different timelines, which really, you know, made it easier for me to understand both sides. But usually when people yeah. read in two different timelines, I need a graphic organizer that I used to use in school for teaching reading. Right. But I didn't have to do that with this. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah, I mean, I'm always of the mindset that it's the author's job um, to really, like, lead a reader through by the hand as much as possible. Um, so I really strive so that it would make sense and that you aren't confused um, because it goes back and forth between, um, you know, Nico is a teenager and Nico's now daughter who is a teenager and Nico is an adult. Um, so you kind of see both perspectives of her life as well and how she became who she is. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to do it because there wasn't, I didn't really find enough of a story if it was just Nico for a third book. I felt like I would have been spinning the wheels a little bit. Um, Mm. And I wanted to bring it a little bit into present time as well. So the idea for Nico's daughter, who's very different from her, kind of came about. And um, through her, we get a window into her mom, who's more like an absentee mom. So why why does she disappear? Why does she disappear? Why does she disappear? Um, why why does she disappear? Um, uh, so, well, I don't want to give too much away. Her band 
like I said, sort of reached great heights and then it, you know, flamed out. And I think the pressure of um, being a celebrity and all of that, it was too much for her to handle. Um, and as you learn about Nico, you know, through the books, um, she, she has some um, instability issues, you know. Um, so for her, it was a way of just escaping. Uh, and she would do that throughout her daughter's life. She would kind of come in and out of her life. But this time in particular, she vanished for the longest time. So that's when everybody gets a little scared as to, you know, where she is. So love is her daughter. Why does she worry about how she that she's gone missing, and what does she decide to do about it? Yeah, so her mom goes missing for a month or two on occasion, uh, but this time it's longer. So the whole family starts to get a little nervous as to where she is. So love goes into the attic, and she finds her mom's old diary. And through the diary, she becomes like an amateur detective and uses clues to figure out where her mom would go. And w- the way I was able to do that, the sort of device I was able to use was that uh, Love could visit all the people from the first two books as to a further clue into who her mom is, where her mom might have gone. So it's a nice way of reintroducing all the characters for the first two books and seeing where they're at in life now um, X amount of years later. So what are the reactions? Everybody seems to be worried about her, I know. So Nico allows yeah. us to understand how she met Evan, the music that fuels both of them, and her need to be a star and not a backup. How come? At times you would think she feels kind of insecure about herself. Yeah, no, I mean, Nico presents herself as very outgoing and um, extroverted. Uh, but inside, she actually is quite introverted and insecure. Uh, so that's not always the best recipe for a rock star. Um, and that's sort of the main struggle she has. And in addition to that, the the band also is what destroys her relationship um, with Evan, his love's father. So there's all of these things that makes her want to just kind of run away from life as opposed to being present in it. So how does she create, how did they create the first album, and what changes after that and why? Because it's not easy to get that first one out. Yeah, yeah. So the first album was in the second book with, with her band, Grenade Bouquets, and mm. there was like, it was almost like a one-hit wonder album. Like, a thing started really well, and then the singles after it started to do less and less, and the band fell apart. You know, there was like infighting and everything. And then Evan and Nico together decided, well, almost like the White Stripes, like, let's just be you and I, and we'll make this album happen. And that album soared. Like, that did so well. And so Nico had a taste of fame before, but a taste of it. And with this new band, the fame went, you know, sort of full tilt. So for Nico, it was just overwhelming and it was too much for her to handle. And, you know, like I said, destroyed our relationship with Evan. Well, the truth is, you know, if you look, listen to the news sometimes, there are a lot of celebrities that when they become famous too fast, they, they drown themselves or they, yeah, they can't I handle mean, it. Especially really young, you know, here these yeah. characters are 
17, 18, 19 when we're seeing them. Um, you know, they, they, they just don't, they're not equipped to handle what that's like. And we're also now talking same back in the 90s. It was sort of very different then, obviously, than it is now. You know, you did have a little bit more sort of anonymity as opposed to now with, you know, social media and TikTok, you know, all of that. Um, but even still, the, the overwhelmingness of, like, paparazzi and, and, and all of that um, is not for the faint of heart. You have to be a strong person to be able to handle something like that. Yeah, you have to be able to take the critiques from the positive, too, and not let it get you down. That makes it even harder. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, with any career um, and any creative, you know, I find it with my own work, you know, you have people coming at you. They love your book. You have people coming at you. They hate mm-hmm. your book, you know. And find a way of just, like, you know, filtering out the noise, kind of. No, I know. Some people had positive things about my last one, and some people said they didn't quite understand it, and I was going to tell them to go back to school for some comprehension lessons, but instead I just said, who cares? I mean, seriously. Yeah, (laughs) it's not worth the fight. The only time I've ever really engaged, I had this one person who, like, made it a mission to, like, recruit other people to say bad things about my book. Like, they really Oh, yeah, I know how that feels. Yeah, so, like, they found other people somehow who had also given it, like, not a great rating. And then on Twitter, they were, like, trying to get something going, and it it didn't really work. Um, And my response was, um, you know, sometimes the things we think we hate the most, we actually really love. And so, I I don't know, I said something else in those lines shut them up <laughs> I didn't, didn't answer didn't. there was a girl on um, Amazon everybody gave me like either four five or three I don't care and this girl yeah. I don't think she read the book I think somebody told her to write I hate this book I shouldn't have bought the paper that was worth on I'm giving it one star and oh, wow. I just ignored it because you're an idiot you didn't read it that's not a review on Amazon it takes anything so what changed Nico was having love how did it change mm-hmm. her perspective on life and you know, responsibilities for a child is a lot, but she she just couldn't handle it. Yeah, I mean, here also she was so young when she had love. You know, yeah. I'm trying to remember the exact days. I think she was about 18 or 19 um, when she had love. So love was really a you know a surprise. Her parents were pushing her towards you know getting an abortion, and they didn't want her to um, mm. you know have potentially like change her life um, and. For Nico, she, who was going down a path of, like, drugs and alcohol, um, she almost saw the pregnancy as a way to ground her. So love potentially could save her. And what wound up happening is um, um, she just had so much depression and postpartum depression after she had love. And in the 90s, uh, it wasn't as uh, sort of widely known and, and discussed. So she never really was able to be diagnosed in terms of her postpartum depression or have anybody to talk to about it. So she really was like an island in, you know, in the midst of her family. And, you know, like when you're in a plane and the oxygen mask drop, you give it to yourself first and then your child. That's, you know, what they always say. And for somebody like Nico, she really needed to heal herself if she was mm-hmm. ever going to have a chance to be a good mom. 
Well, I love Evan because he took care of Lev. He really did. Yeah, Evan's a good guy. He's um, he's stand up, and you know he became a single dad and really took to it. You know, I think they have quite a, a really nice relationship, the two of them. That that that's that's tough. Um, I know my my brother was born on my birthday a while ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my mother my mother couldn't handle it, you know, for a while. So she I she signed him on me. She he still signed on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, he he she she would say he's your problem. I go, wait a minute, didn't you have him? Why am I stuck with him? Well, you've got to help him with his homework. You got to do this. I go, well, thanks a lot. So talk about the music and how Love and her friends connected with it. That was really cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, so. The, the whole series, all three books, um, you know, Nico is the main character. The real main character is music. So for Nico, who came of age in the 90s, grunge and Kurt Cobain and Nirvana and Pearl Jam, like that was her love. And I think in a way for her daughter to connect to her, um, even in her absence, she found the love of 90s and grunge music as well. So her and her friends, they're almost, want to separate themselves from the current reality and they're just enamored with everything 90s and it's it's sort of their thing um and it it really was a way for love i i to find that type of commonality and connection with her with her absent mom uh, what i love about love was a lot of kids wouldn't do what she did she really needed yeah. to find her mother and to be allowed, yeah. her father was hesitating. She was going to go anyway. We know that. She was going to go right. on this road trip. And then I love Frankie and Caden. I really do. They're yeah. loyal friends. She learns mm-hmm. a lot about herself. But mm-hmm. she proves that she could be trusted. That's what I really liked is that you didn't let her backslide. Because a lot of kids, a right. lot of authors would write, you know, she's starting to drink. She's blah, blah, blah. Instead, she stayed true to who she is. So how come yeah. she decided to do this, and why did Frankie and Caden, thank God she didn't go by herself? Right. Well, so, you know, in the first book, we have sort of um, Nico and her two best Winter and Jeremy, and they coax her into running away from home. And, you know, the, the book Runaway Train is really about her running away and finding herself. And I wanted to do something different with the daughter. So we had a character who was pushing the envelope and – doing drugs and drinking a lot and, you know, really, you know, going like over the line in terms of um, how, how much she was pushing um, the envelope. So I wanted with, with, with love sort of the opposite love doesn't drink. She doesn't do drugs. She's just a a really good kid um, who misses her mom and wants to, you know, learn more about Mm -hmm. her. You know, so it's sort of a twofold, Thing that she's doing she wants to find her mom obviously and you know she hopes she's okay but in addition and even more importantly she wants to learn who she is because her mom slitted in out of her life you know here and there so she never got a real like sense of who her mom is so it's the way of you know not only discovering her mom but also discovering herself on this journey and the second book the second book kind of gets a little the first two books are a little darker um, and Vanish Me has moments, certainly when we're going back into the past and we're seeing Nico kind of break down. 
Um, but the, the present time scenes, uh, I, I wanted to write something sweeter. Um, you know, mm. I mostly write very dark thrillers and, you know, I have a series coming out and the, it's the cast of criminals of the characters. So I wanted to challenge myself and write just like a very sweet character. And I think love is really the, the nicest character I've written. Um, she's just a really good kid. And it was a pleasure to spend time with her for, you know, 300 pages. Yeah, well, what I loved about it is that she's not a typical kid with bad language and all the rest of it. Right. And she's, yeah. she, I, I, I like it. Yeah, well, I've got hands out for this one, actually. There's a, there's a mm-hmm. uh, teen on my floor, on the second floor that looked at me this morning and said, what do you got? Mm-hmm. So he actually, he actually, I just looked at him to ask his mom if it's okay if he reads this. So uh, okay. this is oh, what really, oh. this is what really got me. In order mm-hmm. sometimes to learn about your past, she needed to reach out to people from the past, so she learned about her mother through other people too, which is right, great because right. basically love, you know, didn't really know her family. So who are the mm-hmm. people that she reaches out to, and how does that help her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it was a really cool way of um, catching up with all, like I said, all the characters from the first two books and seeing mm-hmm. what happened with them, where their journeys ended up. So, you know, her, her grandparents, Nico's parents, she never was super close to. So it's a way of kind of, you know, bridging that gap. Um, and then Nico's two best friends, Winter and Jeremy, um, yeah. who, you know, throughout the years, like any friendship sometimes from high school, you know, you start to go your separate ways. Um, but yeah. there always was, sort of, you know, a really strong love between those three. Um, and then also everybody who was in Nico's band, who she also, you know, torched those relationships. Um, so with each, she, she gets a little more sense of like who her mom is and I think really starts to forgive her throughout the journey. Not everybody, some people become parents, but they're not meant to be parents. And that, that really was somebody like Nico. She never wishes she didn't have love, but she's not somebody who was equipped to fully raise a child. And sometimes that happens, you know, and I think love learns not to hold the anger about that inside anymore. She she releases it in the book. A lot of kids wouldn't. A lot of kids would just be yeah. hateful and and just yeah, resent the person rather than handle totally. it in a mature way like she did, which is really good. It teaches yeah, kids in general, teens in general, that there's a better way to handle something when it doesn't go exactly right. So Right, exactly. And it's just love's nature. Like, she's just, yeah. like I said, a good kid. She's all about love. You know, she's the embodiment of her name, basically. Um, so, yeah, she needs to practice what she preaches. I could see a series with love. Seriously. Hint, hint. Yeah, I think these characters are honestly done in book form. Um, but I'm in a very early stage of developing it as a TV show. Um, we have patched mm. already um, that I can't talk more about. Um, so I'm hard at work right now on the, the first pilot. So in, in, a, in a perfect world, all three books would be like a season of a show. And yeah. potentially, if it does really well, um, maybe we would continue with the characters. But in book form, um, I, I think there's none. Yeah. 
Well, I want to I want to know because I want to say I know that person that wrote the book. Oh, thank you. I, um, I get I you, Brad. <laughs> yeah, um, we're things are good, but you never know in Hollywood. I know. So, how did you create the diary, and and what's in it? Uh, she was worried yeah. about Nico, but when she reads the diary, she has her mindset. So, how did you create the entries? about her feelings and why becoming a mother and reactions to Evan and the family, because that brings it to life even better. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've written Nico as a character for two books prior. The books both were in first person, so they were in her voice. So it was very easy for me to just continue that and diary entries. Um, and I've never, I hadn't written a book that went back and forth between like two narratives ever um so it was a fun challenge and at first i was going to do it write both books and then combine them and i was like eh, i don't like that so each one became sort of a break so i would get a break from love writing the nico chapters and then a break from nico writing the love chapters and i think i wrote this book in like two months so it really just flew out of me like it was a very fast process it also was um, one of the, I forget when I wrote it, was it Omicron? I don't know, Omicron or Delta, one of the things, so I was indoors a lot more when I wrote it. So, mm-hmm. like, my excuse is just get it done. Well, what I really liked is that I didn't have to guess when it was the uh, journal, because you had mm-hmm. the, the date sometime in 1999, you had the time, yeah. for, and they had a different font. Because a lot of yeah, times I'm, it made it easier for me to follow, yeah. Good, yeah, yeah, they they suggested a different font. And I had, my book, The Mentor, did that too. The Mentor has um, not quite diary entries, but it's like a book within a book. Um, so they, mm-hmm. they did the same thing where the book within a book is a different font. Um, so you, you know, I mm-hmm. think it's important. I reader can get confused and you, you don't unless you're intentionally trying to confuse a reader you don't want to confuse a reader you know you 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 want your readers to be able to follow what you're what you're doing well guess what gets me annoyed is that i've read so many books as everybody knows um that when someone does that and i'm reading the chapter and i'm going like, wait a minute that didn't happen just now that happened in the beginning and it's in the middle of a page out of nowhere with no change of font. And I'm supposed to say, huh? Yeah. Uh, that's, when I I put, like... that's when I put the book down and I want to cry. Or I have to get my – I have a pen and pen, paper pen yeah. in my hand when I read a book because I have to circle and underline and remember. Otherwise, I couldn't ask these questions. And by actually, by the time I finished the book, I'd have memorized. But that's beside the point. But it makes it hard. So did, did yeah. these yeah. entries – Oh, continue. Go on. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say you want reading to be pleasurable. You don't want it to be, you know, like a job. You don't want it to feel awkward. No, and I don't want to feel like the book is giving me root canal either, <laughs> which is lately happening. No, you so do not. These, these play in causing, how do these these entries in this diary play in causing her to leave? And what are the reasons why she feels justified? Sometimes I just wanted to yell at her. You mean Nico? Yeah, not love. I love love. Love's my right, right. love's my favorite. Uh, yeah, I mean you're, you know, Nico is somebody that has to be handled very carefully. She's has a lot of 
issues that mm. haven't been fully diagnosed because either it wasn't really talked about then, she never really attempted to try, you know, her parents get her to a rehab clinic, but they don't get to the root of what's happening. Mm. The, the root is never fully answers. You know, I, I think Nico might have some type of bipolar um, issues, but I, I never really get super specific because she doesn't get to that place in the book where she really discovers, you know, what's going on in terms of her own psyche. Um, so it, it, it's really hard to blame her because she's, she hasn't fully discovered herself even by the third book. And if there was going to be a fourth book ever, um, it would really be about the journey of, you know, accepting her limitations and, you know, coming out of that as a better person. Um, But I'm not sure I want to write that book. I don't know if that's something that needs to happen. I think, I think Spanish me ends and you realize Nico's going to find her path and, um, she's going to be okay. And the, the, the relationship with her and her daughter that was tenuous has slowly started to repair. And I think it's quite hopeful, you know, once. Well, I think if this, everybody reads the book, they have to come to their own conclusion about Nico and what they think. Yeah. When they read the, when they read the last one and the last, the last two pages, they might actually, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to say what's going to what, what their facial expression would be, but I think that they'll pretty much get that there's a definitely a change there to a point. Yeah, I also I don't like none of my books really ever definitively end. I like that books continue in people's minds, and then you almost become the reader becomes sort of the author in terms of where the characters yeah. go, and I like that. Like I, you know, when you write a book and you publish a book it's really out of your hands and it becomes the readers more than it is even yours. So I, I like people could come to their own conclusions and especially for a series like this, you know, you, a thousand pages of a character, basically over three books, um, you people become invested in, in, in the character. And I, I want them to figure out their own um, ending for, for these characters. Um, one mm-hmm. book's end. Yeah. See, my reading masses did help. It has made me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah actually, is actually I got a. Um, I was so excited. Um, there's an article about me in Ice Magazine, and oh, um, awesome. yeah, I was like, yeah, I was surprised. And it's an interview when I sent it to my professor because I found my professor, mm-hmm. the first one, and he sent me back mm-hmm. the most beautiful note. Well, we have seminars. He comes on my radio show every couple of months oh, to talk okay. about different things for reading. Yeah. And he sent me the most beautiful note that he's proud of me. And that I really did oh, a great job. And he. Uh, so I, I felt better. So at what point does Love realize something about herself? And if this wasn't the final chapter, what else would she learn about Love and her, her, her own self within herself? Yeah, I mean, I think she. The main thing she really learned is forgiveness. You know, I think she. Yeah. In her was held on to a lot of anger to her mom. And I think it's a part of growing up when we realize our parents are human and they're not just mom and dad. You know, you have that revelation that they're not perfect. They make mistakes. 
you know, they're human just like anybody else. And I think that's a big part of growing up. Um, and, you know, for love, I, I think realizing that she almost lets her mom go a little bit. Like, you know, she can be able to live her own life and her life isn't so entwined with her mother's up and down um, nature. Um, and in the process of that, she, you know, she really becomes more free. Well, what about, uh, Nico, I read the first two books, so I got this down. Yeah. And the sadness mm-hmm. of when she loses her sister and her yeah. mother sort of like doesn't give her the attention that she deserved, so she runs away. I couldn't blame her. Couldn't blame right. her on that yeah. one. So how did how yeah. did that play into him for her thinking? Because she figures my own mother, you know, didn't realize until whatever um, that I, that I count, and she she adored her sister. It wasn't like she resented her. So right. how does that come into play? Yes, you know, Nico really comes from a broken family. So before the sister dies, the family's already broken. The parents yeah. are, you know, vacant and absent. They're both having affairs separately. Um, they barely speak to one another. And they, even though they don't really give enough to either child, um, the sister Kristen is sort of the more perfect child. She gets the good grades. You know, she's pre-med going to Harvard, um, or at least in the, in the the TV series now. I've added things, so now some of the characters have changed a little bit. Um, but, you know, she's an overachiever. And Nico is like a burnout. You know, she smokes pot, she skips school, mm. and passion is music and bands. And, you know, so um, her she comes from a home that she's really not getting loved. And that's prior to the sister dying. When the sister dies, she really requires, you know, ten times that amount of love and mm. winds up getting even less. So, you know, her home life, and she's almost like, why am I going to stay here? And she has a list of all these things that not only she wanted to do, but that her sister never got to do. So the runaway becomes almost an homage to her sister, you know, to do all the things that her sister couldn't do. Um, and a way of discovering her sister, too. You know, they... They, they had a love-hate relationship. You know, they were so different mm. in a lot of ways. It was hard to really, like, bond. So she winds up going on the runaway, almost with her sister's ghost, where she, her sister gets to be the free spirit that she never really got to be in life. Um, and in that process, she learns understand, comes to, like, an understanding with her. And, and you know, it's a way of her dealing with, with 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 a massive amount of grief at such an early age. I understand that. When I lost my sister, it was questionable what happened. And right before she died, she said, you were coming a couch potato. I'm, I'm 107 pounds. I was over 200 at one point because of whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah, when you mm-hmm. get aggravated, you eat. I don't do that anymore, ever. Um, no, That's I lost good. all the weight. But she said to me, rather than become a couch potato, why don't you write a book? And why don't you, mm-hmm. you know, get a radio show? I said, you're going to be sorry because I'm going to write about us. So mm-hmm. she, I kept her alive with her station and everything. Yeah, so I can understand where, you know, how Nico feels. So here's my character yeah, that I, I really love, mm-hmm. Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy, you needed a, a, a comic relief, you know, especially the first book, the themes are so heavy. You're dealing with death yeah. and abandonment, runaway issues. 
And Jeremy is, is sort of this the fun, sassy, um, yeah, one-liner. Um, but he's going through his own things. You know, it's the 1990s. Um, he's gay and he's out, but he's gay mm. and out where nobody else is. So he's really like the token gay kid. And he likes the guy, but, you know, in the reality of that happening is, is mm-hmm. very slim. Um, so he's going through his own stuff. It's interesting because he's becoming the in in the TV series. I'm developing as a bigger character. All the characters are becoming bigger characters. So it's not just Nico's story. They all are having their own um, kind of stories. Like I'm. Um, so Jeremy, um, he hasn't come out to his family yet, even though he's out at school. So that's a bigger story in, in, in the TV series where in the books, there wasn't enough time and the books were solely um, from Nico's perspective. So we, we didn't have a chance to get the other characters perspective to do in a, in a TV show. So it, it, it's fun because I'm reliving these characters and I'm expanding them, making them bigger. So there's a character. I was just looking through the book. The book's in front of me. It doesn't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm not letting him move. Delilah, what does she come into this? Because she comes into it very interesting. And we yeah. get to know more about Caden yeah. and um, mm-hmm. we need to look Caden and Frankie and their relationship, and that sort of bugs Nico too. I love too. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of sort of like love triangle relationships in books. I think they just work yeah. really well in creating drama. So um, it's, it's sort of a classic. Love Triangle. In her friend group, um, everybody loves Frankie. Frankie is sort of the nucleus, and both have unrequited, sort of an unrequited love. You know, love hasn't really understood her sexuality at, at that moment. Um, she hasn't really had the "Do I like girls?" kind of question. Um, but she's enamored with Frankie. Frankie's a girl, by the way. Um, just for the listeners that <laughs> didn't realize that. Um, and then the same thing, the, the, the boy in the friend group is also enamored with Frankie. But we learn, you know, sort of um, the, the Frankie and Caden um, have their own sort of feelings about sexuality. It isn't so black mm-hmm. and white. They aren't they're gay or straight. Um, they're really kind of very fluid in terms of who they are. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's a moment where Frankie realizes she's actually, or Caden, one of the two realizes they're asexual. Um, and, and, and that's sort of a, a you know, a big thing. Um, so I just really wanted to create like a whole spectrum of, of characters. Um, you know, especially these days, um, I think teens are so much more open than they used to be in terms of who they are. Um, so it, it really allowed these, um, more fluid and open characters to, to be creative. Delilah is um, Winter's daughter. So it's, it's Nico's old best friend's daughter. Um, and Delilah really becomes love's sexual awakening. You know, she shares her first kiss with her. Um, and she has that question, you know, did I like it? Um, and so a lot of the book really is that discovery, um, you know, how she feels towards same sex, opposite sex. Um, so it was, it was, it, it, it was interesting to like 
watch her journey throughout the book too in that way. She, you know, she goes on many journeys. There was another one. Well, who does she meet from the band besides Clarissa? Oh God. She yeah. doesn't change, does yeah. she? <laughs> no. Well, you need a villain. You know, yeah, I know. She's a good one. <laughs> so, Clarissa's really the villain. Clarissa's the villain. She was the one that really broke the band up, you know, like, yeah. through the nuts bombs and, and made everybody hate each other and, you know, also was in love with Evan and not taking the news that Evan didn't want to be with her lately. Um, so yeah, she meets um, – I'm not trying to think. I don't think she meets. She has phone conversations with the mm. two other guys in the band. There was the drummer and the bassist um, towards the very end. Oh, and um, the band's manager, Lacey. So th- those people come in, in the end, and, you know, they knew Nico sort of at her worst time, you know, when she was most destructive. Um, so I think it's hard for her to hear um, these people's perspectives of her mom because, they were not in a good light. Like she, she was not, um, she was not presented very well. Uh, so, you know, she hears good things about her mom from other people and from the people in the band, it's really negative. Well, before I forget, uh, Tuesday, uh, the 31st, the author of Death Warrant is coming on and I'm probably going to put a disclaimer about the book to let people know it's fiction because the subject matter is kind of controversial. On the 2nd, we have The Serpent's Doom, Connie DeMarco. And on the 7th, Lee, somebody we all know and love, John Bentley, Zero Hour. I get the first interview. Yay! You have to read it. It's fantastic. He takes Jack Ryan Jr. to a... Yeah, he's good, yeah. And Alan Topo on the 9th, The Chinese Agent. And there's a whole bunch more, but at the end of the month... To end the month on the 27th, Tess Gerenson, listen to me. I am so excited. Yes, I know. And then um, on the 16th, Treachery Times 2, Robert McCaw. And there's a whole bunch in there. I'm triple booked for the month of June. I don't do July. And August, well, I can't even find a date that I'm not doing something, which is amazing. So what happens when she comes face-to-face with Nico? What happened? How did you create that? Those scenes. Yeah. I needed tissues, by the way. Yeah, that was that was that was the hardest scene to write because um, you know there's, there's there's the whole build up from the whole book leading up to that moment, and you know the anger, the sadness, the frustration, really from both ends. You know, Nico doesn't mm. want to be a bad mother. Like that's not what she's setting out to do. She's not an evil person. It's almost like she feels it'd be worse if she was in love's life. She would cause more hurt and drama than if she was just not there. So that's a really sad realization, um, you know, for a mom to have, uh, you know, about their own state. Um, so, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, you know, anger and hurt in, in that scene um, when they finally, you know, reunite. Um, but I think, you know, like anything, you have to hit rock bottom for then things to get better. Um, so that's their rock bottom. And then it's bad. It's so bad. You can only go up from it. Um, then we start to see them connecting in a different way. I think, you know, really towards the end, they less connect as like 
mother-daughter and really more as like friends and that relationship I think allows them to continue like a good friendship um, where I think for love she doesn't really feel like her mom deserves to be her mom anymore Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's fair You, you sort of lost out but maybe we could find a different type of relationship and at least be in each other's lives and that's sort of where they're at, you know, and at the end, um, use her mom perform again. Her mom has performed in years and she understands that, yes, she was, she's her mom, but being a daughter of a very famous person, you're sharing that person with a lot of people. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that ever, she ever realized that, that, you know, her mom is a, a figure to many where you think of your mom, you know, it's you and that's it, your siblings. Um, so that allows love, I think, to begin to let go of um, any ill will. Well, what about Evan? He has a change of, he got something good happens for him. Yeah. So Evan meets a new girl um, and Love likes her, woman Marjorie, yeah. and Marjorie is just a good person. She, you know, easily kind of fits into the family, and Love is just happy that he is happy. So, you know, she doesn't try to be Love's parent. She's not inserting herself in that way. She's just somebody who's there for her. Um, and at the end of the book, you you learn that there was like a proposal, so a wedding. There was a fourth book. Um, the wedding mm-hmm. will probably be fourth or you know post the wedding. Well, my favorite part is at mm-hmm. the end. I won't give it away. How did how did you create the words to that? That was just it fits the title, of course. That was that sort of uh, says everything about Nico, yeah. and it helps love understand maybe more about her mother. So a really cool thing about writing these books is um, I've never tried being a songwriter, um, but I allowed to like flex my songwriting muscles a little bit, you know, in runaway trains, there's uh, the song that becomes their big song. Um, you know, I created, I think the same, yeah, there was another one in grenade bouquets and then the same thing in, in, in vanish me. Um, yeah, I mean, I've written poetry before, so I think I used that to help me create it. Um, and I was listening to so much music when I was writing these books, so, you know, music was the biggest inspiration. Even now, writing the, the TV series, I am solely in a 90s bubble listening to music, um, and it's been a lot of fun. Mm. Well, it, that, that, is, that is really cool, because... The music today is not quite the same. Agreed. And totally. It's not. It's not. I watched American Idol and some of it. I used to watch it, and I actually fast-forwarded most of it. And I said the yeah. even the the three that were up for the win were not talented at all. Mm-hmm. I, I think the guy was yeah. most, but still, I didn't think it was. And I'm I'm a music I, major, and I so I can it. hear the I can hear it. I can write it. Don't ask me to yeah. sing. Ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, so no. How did it, you? It, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say it allowed me to rediscover like a lot of bands from high school that I loved and yeah. just music and everything. So it, it, these books have just been a lot of fun. You know, I mean, initially I, I was I, I allowed only my... classical music. You major in music. That? My mother, mm-hmm. I, I majored in music. I didn't want to. It was yeah. lost on me. Seriously. Um, I went to college, mm-hmm. and I said I graduated high school, and I was 16 and a half. I was young. And um, I, the, yeah. the professor, Dean, said, you're going to major in music because you play the violin and the piano. And I go, I want to major in education. Well, Hunter mm-hmm. College, you can't. You mm-hmm. could not major in education. You had to minor in it for 97,000 credits. So he said, mm-hmm. you will major in music because you're a concert violinist and pianist. And I go, like, holy God. That was three years of torture. The, oh, the you know the instrument the instrument part was great. I could play anything, could transpose anything, write anything. Yeah. I could play every every except for the bass fiddle because I'm five feet tall. I was like, mm. oh my god! But when it was asked me to sing, I got earplugs for everybody. That's how bad <laughs> I am. It's I, mean, well, I could hear it. I could I know I was bad. And one yeah. professor said, um, I had to do a program. I won't tell you what I sang. He said, this was very well done, and, and I'm going to give you a B-plus, which really screwed up my average of 4.0. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I'll give you another B-plus not to take the next class. I said, you're so on. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was pathetic. So, That's actually how, That's how did you connect the words to the song? And how does, at the end, how do you want everybody to realize the importance of the title, Vanish Me? There are a lot of people in this world that walk around and say, they wish they could disappear from this world and in sight because they don't feel like people really see them. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think exactly what you said. It, you, you could read the book and be like, oh, Nico is so wrong for this, 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 and this. But I think if you read it and you try to start to understand her, um, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel right in this world, in this moment and for life. Um, mm-hmm. And the easiest thing for her is literally just to vanish. You know, she's not a burden to everything around her. I feel like she's feeling like she's a burden to people because of her own issues. Um, and it is, it's, it's really sad. It was really sad to write a lot of her diary entries. You know, they're, they're quite dark, and um, you really, really start to feel for her. And I wanted to give. You know, but, you know, these days um, we're so on top of, you know, people who um, might have this issue or that issue or, or you know, or that. It, 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 it's mm-hmm. so much part of the conversation right now. You know, back in 1997 or 8, I think, or the 8 when she was writing the diary, um, it really wasn't. You know, I, I don't remember hearing about things like postpartum depression really then and mm-hmm. bipolarism. Um, so, you know, it, it shows how far along we've come, um, but that a lot of people were kind of left by the wayside back then because they nobody gave them a chance to figure out what was going on with them. Um, and unfortunately, that was somebody like Nico. Um, you know, you, you, you would hope as she gets closer to present time, she finds medication that really helps herself, and she finds outlets to be able to discuss issues that she's having. Um, but those were not available to her in in the book. 
You know what bothers me now when I listen to the news because I have nieces, nephews that are older, but some mm-hmm. that are not, that parents are not listening. That they're so yeah. wrapped up in this horrible pandemic and whatever that they're missing out a lot. And a lot of teenagers, unfortunately, are getting victims of cyber uh, violence, yeah. cyber abuse, yeah. cyber people bothering them. It, it's it's just really sad. And, of course, what happened in Texas is criminal. And that There's no excuse for that. That's horrible. I, yeah. I that I called my, my my niece yesterday to make sure my niece and my nephews were okay in school because <laughs> you get worried. But there's so many it's parents hard. out there I'll, that don't it's... hear. Yeah, yeah. That that, yeah. that, that is sad. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're in a really rough time right now, just in the era yeah. of human history, um, and it, it seems like from a lot of angles. And I can't imagine what it must feel like to be 14 now and going through all, you know, 43 mm-hmm. and it's not easy. Um, but for a 14 year old who's coming of age and is coming of age in a time like this where there's, mm-hmm. you know, COVID and shootings and, you know, Ukraine, I mean, it, it, it just is like endless almost and political and, you know, it, I know. I, I, I feel yeah. for, for kids. I really do because I feel like when I was that age, I, mm. I was very just big old lucky, and you know, news was happening. Like I came of age in the '90s, it wasn't like nothing was happening, but it, it didn't feel like 24/7 you were annihilated with it. It felt like things happened mm-hmm. and then things, and you know, you were able to just live your life. I feel like now you don't have that option. You're just inundated constantly with doom. Uh, that's how I feel. That's why I stopped listening yeah. to the news. I, I listen I to my guy on Channel 12 with the weather, and then when Matt yeah. tells me the weather, that's all the current events I need. And I don't need yeah, any more. I, I mean, anything big you hear about anyway, and, you know, I'll check online like once a day, um, but I, yeah. can't, I can't watch, watch anymore. I would rather watch like a great TV show and take my mind off of things if I'm going to watch TV. Um, I think I think a lot of people are feeling that way. Mm. So at the end, do you think that they wanted to vanish or remain inside? And if you were going to write one more chapter between <clears throat> Love, Nico, and Evan, what would you what would you say? And I'm, <clears throat> I, you have two tours coming up. You see, I do know this stuff. Uh, yeah. You have one yeah. with with partners in crime. And don't you think that mm-hmm. Isabella Blackthorne, don't you think that they didn't tell mm-hmm. me you were coming out with one? They certainly did. Yes. I'm their favorite <laughs> reviewer, they told me. <laughs> so I've got both yes. of them. Yes. i got to do for both. So if you could write one more chapter, what, what would you mm-hmm. say for Nico and um, Love and all of them? Would, would I, I know the ending, but what would it change with anything? Right. Um, I don't think I would change anything. I, I'm I'm really happy with the way vanish me ends and 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 the series mm-hmm. ends um i think it's i think it's a very sweet to a series that wasn't always sweet you know that it deals with a lot of really tough themes um you know if they would continue i think i, I you know i think i would really like to show sort of this new modern family that can exist nico and evan are never getting back together that's not yeah, happening 
Eco isn't just going to become love's mom again. But this new modern family can come to some almost truth as to what works mm. for them. Yeah, and so I think it really would show that where, you know, Nico would still leave for a month at a time and go to Europe or go wherever and because that's who she is and that's who she needs to be and that they're happy when she comes back and then spends the time with them. So I think it would, it would show that, you know, maybe Nico would start, to, you know, she, she's always been in bands. She's never been a solo artist. I do think an interesting path would be, you know, a solo album that she creates mm-hmm. um, and what goes on with that. If there really ever was going to be another book that follows Nico, um, you know, it would be her in middle age rediscovering her love of music and, you know, maybe dealing with some of the issues that she's never really dealt with um, and becoming more of like a fully realized person. Um, as for love, I, I don't really know where else we with that character. I mean, she's going to go to college. She'll probably mm-hmm. be a girl. Like, um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's like that much for like a story with, with love. I think with love, you just kind of, you know, get her in this, in this one book. Um, and like I said, I, you know, I'm really focused now on the, the, the TV, the potential TV show. So I'm trying to think you know, what other stories could come out of those three books, you know, during them. Um, so you never know. So what is next for you, and where can everybody get all your books? Sure. So um, my full name, Lee Matthew Goldberg, uh, LeeMatthewGoldberg.com, you know, anywhere, Amazon bookstores. Um, my next is I have a five-book uh, thriller series coming out. Um, mm. and it's, it's a reboot of one of my books, the desire card with a new publisher. Oh, I remember. So, yeah. So that old book is now the third book in the series. So, um, in early summer, the first two books are coming out, Immoral Origins and Pray No More, and then a reboot of the desire card book. And then there'll be two more books in the series and they'll all be out, um, in the summer and the fall, like one a month. Uh, and it follows this uh, sort of elite company um, that promises any wish fulfilled for the right price. Mm. And usually that price is more sinister than people could imagine. So the first book, if you, rem- if you remember the desire card, um, the first yeah. book is the origin of, of the company. So it takes place in New York in the 1970s where the company kind of began. And it was a little more like a mob kind of company. Um, and then in the second book, Pray No More, um, it follows a minor character from the Desire Card um, who worked for the organization who decides he wants to leave and kind of like the mob, once you're in, you're in, you don't leave. So um, he has to become the hunter unless he wants to get hunted by them. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're kind of like fun noir thrillers. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. And the first one comes out uh, June 14th. Well, that's and nice. I'm getting this. Yeah. Are you getting Origins, whatever? You're supposed to send that to me. I know that. I am. I'm still waiting on the paperback copies, um, but I would think by next week I'll have them. So once I get them, I will absolutely send you. 
um, one of the first copies. Um, and I think you'll like it. It's very like New York 1970s. Um, mm. you know, I, I was born in 1978, so like that's when the book first takes place. Um, so mm. it's a little bit old to my own childhood in, in New York City. So thank you so much. I don't know where how it is by you, but it's going to rain here. That's okay. Um, it's sunny right now. I'm in Midtown. It looks really sunny and nice, but I think I saw by like three or four. Um, yeah, so I know. Try I'm to trying to little, forget that. Yeah, I'm going to try to get a little bit of sun before, before it starts to rain. And, um, yeah, hopefully it doesn't wash out the, our, our Memorial Weekend. So, everybody, have a great day, Lee. Thank you so much. You brighten my Friday. Yeah, definitely brighten my Friday. Everybody, uh, have a great you. day and think positive because you know what? It's going to get better, I promise you. Everybody, have a great yeah. day and bye. All right, take care, friend. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.